Hello, everybody, and welcome to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show, where we help you win at the game of business and marketing. My name is Adam Homie. I am your host, and I am honored by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. We are business creators. We have entrepreneurs, small business owners, local business owners. We have the marketing and business coaching and consultants. We have the folks who help others create and build their businesses. And on the other side of that coin, we have the do-it-yourselfers who like to have your own hands on the levers as you market and grow. If you are one or more of the above, and many of you may be more than one of the above, some of you could be all four of the above, take a moment, explore our episodes at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com and see how our guest experts join with us to help you win at the game of business and marketing. Also, check us out on iTunes. Every five-star rating is greatly appreciated and helps us help more business creators just like you. Be sure to subscribe. Every Tuesday, fresh content is added. Over 100 episodes await you right now, dating back to the middle of 2013 on a variety of topics related to business creators. Timeless information that you can implement today. Speaking of today, we have a real treat for you, and this is going to be especially for those of us, and I count myself in this category, who were blessed with a face for radio and a voice for radio. I walk into places sometimes, like I go, I'll tell you a quick story here, is the cigar shop I go to that's down the street from where I live, people started to speculate that I might be a radio show talk host a radio talk show host, rather, just because of the way my voice carries and the way that it resonates in conversation. And one day, one of the guys asked me, he said, hey, uh, don't I hear you on the radio? Like, uh, what, Business Creators Radio Show? It's a podcast. No, 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 like AM talk radio. Like, oh, I am good. All right, cool. Now, on the other hand, I do get folks who urge me that if I don't do the thing where I hold a smartphone six inches from my nose and talk into it while walking that I'm not actually a marketer and I need to pack up my toys and go home. I have also, just for the record, hired a contract on my own life. If you ever see me walking down the street while talking to a smartphone or worse, filming a video while driving. Seriously, there's a contract out of my life and you're willing and you're, you're welcome to the money because I will sooner drop dead than allow myself to be seen. Some people were very successful with that. I personally just am not going to do it. So I am a big fan of audio marketing. And for that reason, this a you know, little bit of a dramatic story here, I'm so excited to bring on Tina Dietz, who's going to share with us how to unleash your business with audio marketing. And just to tell you a little bit about Tina here, uh, I love this little story she tells. When she was just two years old, someone handed her a tape recorder, and that was that. A lifelong love affair was born. Today, Tina is an internationally acclaimed business coach, audiobook publisher, and launch specialist, podcast producer, and a best-selling author who's been featured on ABC, Inc.com, Huffington Post, and Forbes. Her company, Start Something Business Solutions, helps clients who want more than just a business and more than a routine life. They want a business oasis. And she herself splits her time between the U.S. and Costa Rica. So, Tina, welcome to the show. Yeah, Adam, thanks for having me. 
By the way, how that's much is that contract that's out on your uh, life? Just to be clear. Well, just uh, checking. <laughs> <laughs> it's huge. Believe me. Uh, it's huge. If, 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 it's huge. If, for me, for me, for me, we're talking real money. I, I don't come cheap, so. Okay. Okay, that's good to know. It's going to be pretty serious money that I'm that I'm paying for a contract on my own life. So you can pretty much guarantee that I'm not going to be holding up uh, a smartphone while walking down the street and talking into it. I just it's just not me. I I have a face for radio. It's just how how things came out. But I also have the voice for radio, which is why we have you here today. And I want to talk about audio marketing. And I just I'm just so excited about this topic. But before we get into it, uh, I want to just ask you a question about your lifestyle. And this came up in the, the green room. Uh, you've got a husband and two young kids as well as an international business. And for the last several years, you've been living a mobile lifestyle in places like Costa Rica. So because it actually relates to the concept of audio marketing, as folks will see as we develop this conversation, how did that lifestyle of yours come about? Well, um, it was a lot of experimentation. So when I talk about a lot about creativity, and creativity is very important to me, as is freedom. They're two of my core values. So in designing my own business, uh, as I encourage other people when they're designing theirs, you know, you, you want to focus your business and how you design your business around your core values. Um, and Costa Rica was one of those things I had been uh, – had, I developed these different connections to Costa Rica over the years. In the years that I was running and developing our family, one of our family businesses, which is an international training company for massage therapists, still exists, I had done uh, a lot of coordination of trainings abroad for massage therapists in Costa Rica. And then, you know, as the global economy goes and the global village, I had developed other contacts there and said, you know what, it would be absolutely amazing to use that as kind of the first place that we experiment with this mobile lifestyle because we decided that time and experience was going to be more important to us than stuff, especially when it came to our kids and kind of showing them the world. So about three years into the five-year strategic vision plan I created, everything kind of came together unexpectedly, and we sold our house and stuff and, and moved to Costa Rica, and it really was uh, kind of as simple as that because we had already been thinking in that direction. I already had contacts down there. And so when it came time to pull the trigger, it was actually easier to move into a place and live in Costa Rica than it was to sell our house in the States. And so um, I now have property down there. I'm in, in the midst of developing a community for entrepreneurs and thought leaders down there called Vista Mundo. And it's just been a, a wonderful to not be burdened by a lot of stuff. But it also because we live mobile, uh, that actually was a lot of the impetus for developing the audio marketing side of things. That's very interesting. And I'll tell you one of the reasons that I love what you told me is I myself am a believer in the phrase, it's good to own your stuff. It's not good to have your stuff own you. And I've been working for the oh, past yeah. couple of years on flipping that paradigm so that I own my stuff rather than my stuff owning me. Part of that has been, been part of that has involved actually reducing the amount of stuff I have. Now, some folks have heard me tell this story and they've gotten all excited thinking I'm about to become a digital nomad. The fact is is I really do not plan to become a digital nomad. I'm a guy who lives in an apartment with cats. That's really 
what's in it for me. But on the other hand, I don't want to have to finance all the stuff that I have in my living space and to work all day just to be able to afford the installment payments to have the stuff that's already in my possession. That just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And as far as like any design considerations I put into my living space, uh, there's really only one person that needs to be concerned with being comfortable, and that's this guy right here that I see in the mirror every morning. Uh, I'm more of a go-out-and-meet-people type than, than a uh, have-people-over-to-the-place type. And besides, in the end, it's my place, and what really matters is what I want. So when people ask me, well, where do, where's this piece of furniture and, and where's this set up? What are you going to do when you have people over? I say, look, I've had people over maybe three times in the past year. I'm not going to spend $1,000 on extra stuff to accommodate other people. It's just not going to happen. And as far as uh, and as far as the portability aspect of it, you move three times in two years and you'll appreciate uh, the need to be uh, – thoughtful oh, about yeah. what you possess. Uh, I moved, yeah, uh, I moved in short, in short order. I moved from one place to another in Pittsburgh. Then I moved from Pittsburgh to Las Vegas. Then once I was in Las Vegas and I lived for the first year in a townhouse, which was really great, except I hated it. And I wanted a different lifestyle. Instead, we had to pick up all that stuff and move it three miles. After a while, it just gets tiring. So if you think you need a lot of stuff, I suggest you move a few times in quick succession, and you'll find out how much you really need. Other than my computer equipment, my business documents, my library, and my cats, there's really nothing in my apartment that uh, I could live without or couldn't live without. Rather. Very true. It's all replaced. When we downsize that replaced. stuff, very, very little we missed, and everything could be replaced. Now, granted, one of the great joys in life is living in countries that have a lot of furnished places to live. In the U.S., this isn't nearly as common as it is abroad, and that was just that's, fabulous. <laughs> that's very that's very true. In the United States, uh, you're more likely to find an unfurnished place to rent, but then when you go to other countries, and this is where, and this is how the digital nomad style works for some folks, is when you go to other countries, is you frequently are very easily able to rent a place that already has the furniture. So you don't have to own furniture. All you need to own is a couple suitcases full of clothes and whatever you need to get by. And most of your day-to-day -day items are just little things that once you settle in your new place, you go to the corner store and replenish. And when you move, and when you, move you just leave them behind. Yep, exactly. Right. So with all that being said, uh, Part of the reason I wanted to spend a few moments on this is when you have that type of mobile lifestyle, you sometimes have challenges in terms of production. Now, yes, we know that with video, you can do all kinds of things with your smartphone. It can make it look like studio quality. I get that, too. But I also understand that you can have challenges with respect to getting the right lighting, getting the right scenario, finding a place that's not too noisy, finding a place that has a decent Internet connection so you can do the video. However, with audio, a lot of those problems are removed because all you need to do is get a clean capture on a voice, and the transmission is going to be a much lower size file or size live stream. So it's easier to do audio marketing when you're taking that type of lifestyle on you're moving around a lot so uh as i see it and as you see it you and i see this but the rest of the world doesn't because everybody's talking about video 
there is actually what amounts to an audio revolution happening right now. So what I'd like to do is just have you develop on that and tell us well, why you feel there's an audio revolution. I'll, find, I'll come in and agree with you on it. And tell me some of the trends <laughs> that you're specifically <laughs> – tell me some of the trends you're specifically seeing to prove to our readers who may be thinking, oh, I hear about his Facebook Live, to demonstrate to them that there is, in fact, an audio revolution going on. Yeah. You know, and when I, I, a lot of times I talk about an audio revolution, and I go back and forth between wanting to call it an audio revolution and calling it an audio renaissance. Because the truth of the matter is, is that audio has been with us as a media format longer than any other format. Audio, to one extent or another, um, if you go back to oral history and storytelling and the transmission of that from person to person and place to place, we could almost make an argument that it is the first form of media transmission, um, and even before the written word. So it's it's nothing new, and that's one of the reasons that it is so awesome is because of its durability and because it is so the opposite of a fad. It's so the opposite of the next best thing. And so you never have to worry about audio being around or not. You never have to worry about it being pulled out from underneath you. Uh, like you would say, you know, do we know, for example, I fell in love with Blab when it was around. Blab didn't last. Very sad about that. A lot of people had started building out marketing platforms around their use of Blab, but not durable, not time-tested. And so audio is the opposite end of the spectrum on that. And so while there is a tremendous surge in use of audio, and it, I mean consumer use, not just business use, but actual consumer use, which is what we want of audio, uh, it is not necessarily new what is new is the proliferation of audio and the um, kind of consumer hunger to use it and consume it, and they want more of it. So that's really the big deal. But I wanted to touch back on the uh, digital nomad thing simply because I get this question all the time about setting up uh, equipment and, and how do you do things when you're abroad. And I just want to touch back on that for just a second. Do we have time to do that? Of course we do. Awesome. Okay, so when you're traveling abroad, one of the first things you always have to ask is when somebody says they're giving you, quote, unquote, high-speed Internet, hear my air quotes on that, high-speed Internet, you have to almost dog them to get them to tell you what that actually means, how many megs up, how many megs down, like what is the actual speed. Because in the U.S., we're used to, by default, or North America in general, getting about 35 megs down, so this is the size of your pipeline, basically, how much the pipeline can handle in terms of processing power and speed for Internet. And then, you know, almost that same amount for uploads. However, when you're traveling in developing countries, even countries as well-developed as Costa Rica, the standard is almost four coming down from the Internet and one going back up. So the issue with doing video in other countries isn't so much can you record. Of course you can record. It's can you stream and do you have the bandwidth and do you have the speed to do uploads because video files are so much, so tremendously large compared to audio right. files uh, that 
it's, oh man, that's really where the sticking point is. And so this is where community really comes into play. And not just because I'm an extrovert, but because I'm insatiably, insatiably, hey, there's a new word for you, insatiably curious. What I have found is the best way to get things done is to basically turn on your inner five-year-old and get into Facebook groups of the places you want to go, search those groups for answers, and ask questions, ask a lot of questions about how to, where to, you know, find the best places for Internet hubs. Uh, there are, you know, entrepreneur Internet hubs popping up in different countries all the time. There's co-working spaces where you can, you know, spend 10 bucks for a day and bulk upload things if you're doing video. Are you going to be able to do things like Facebook Live in a foreign country? Maybe. It really depends, yeah. but I wouldn't count on yeah, it. I definitely wouldn't count saying, on it. You're saying it could be some touch and go there because of the difference in upload versus download standards. And to do a live stream, you have to have an Internet that has a really good upload rate. Uh, otherwise, forget about it. Pretty much. Well, Facebook Live in particular, because Facebook Live is a funny thing that I've been experimenting with lately as a medium, because I have been experimenting with combining doing Facebook Live while recording audio at the same time to then be able to podcast it later. So that's a whole other thing that I've been experimenting with. Um, but with Facebook Live in particular, if you're in a foreign country, you may be better off uh, purchasing enough data, data is very cheap, mostly in other countries. I spent about 10 to $15 a month maximum on my cell phone when I was in Costa Rica for data and uh, calling, which was great. It was very inexpensive to, to do that. Internet was a lot less expensive too, even though it, maybe the speed wasn't as high, it was definitely adequate and it was a lot less expensive than the U.S. But when it came, to, you, you probably would be better off doing Facebook Live um, right off the cell towers and using data rather than trying to run it off of Wi-Fi. So that's another thing that just kind of a, a side tip when you're traveling abroad, because I am a huge, huge fan. You know, I have clients who are have been travel bloggers, and I'm always telling them, it's like, it's not just about Instagram. You definitely need to do that, but you shoot some video or do something live where you can say, hey, um, you know, I'm... I'm in Bali and I happen to be in an entrepreneur hub and I want to show you around. You know, that would be amazing for the rest of the world to see because we basically get to be the little bird on their shoulder seeing what they get to see. So I'm a big fan of video when it comes to that way. But in terms of the audio side of things, that is where we start to get into marketing that is heavily content marketing and that is heavily what I call thought leadership marketing, where we can really get across all kinds of ideas, all kinds of information, and make it as portable and as accessible for people as possible. And that is really where the renaissance and the revolution is happening is in this world of this accessibility because we're always on the go, big time, major big time. And you can listen to audio when you can't be reading text, and you can listen to audio when you can't be watching video. And that accounts a lot for the rise in audio mediums like podcasting, and even more in the case of audiobooks. You know, when you go to the gym uh, these days, they have it set up so it's hard to even find an elliptical machine or a stair stepper machine where you don't have a television right in front of you getting streamed all that garbage they call news. 
I don't right. want to see that. I'm not at the gym so I can get aggravated by a bunch of provocative propaganda that's designed to keep me angry and on edge, which sometimes works even though I see right through it and even know what they're doing. And I don't want to be you know, bombarded with so-called popular entertainment. What I want to do is I want to put on my iPod and I want to listen to some music or maybe I want to listen to a podcast or something like that. That's audio. Yes, and exactly. And I am listening to my music or I'm listening to a podcast, I actually don't want to see anything in front of me. I want to go into sort of a trance and allow the visions to form in my own head because like when I mix my music with my fitness efforts, uh, which you know, or something, it's an ongoing project with me, let's put it that way, but all the same, uh, I, I, I want the music to take me into a trance, which motivates me to do more, do better, do faster, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I don't want to have to deal with video on that. That's the first thing. Second thing is is uh, driving. Uh, I like to listen to audio books oh, yeah. while I drive. I, don't like, I can't watch a video book. And sometimes I'll be here in the, in the office and I'll be doing some work, whatever, and, I'm, and I'll stream something in the background so that I can get some subliminal education. I, I can't watch that, and I need my sense of sight to be devoted to what's on my screen or what's on my desk. So just right, right, off, right off the top, I found three places where video is unnecessary and audio is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I love how you're reinforcing the argument here. And here's an interesting thing on the, from the uh, neurological perspective. When we are using audio, we can still engage in other ways at the same time, just like what you're, you're talking about. You can be exercising. You can be driving without being incredibly distracted. I know a lot of people um, who do things like knitting or handcrafts or uh, other different hobbies or many, many things while they're listening to audio. And what's the interesting thing about that is that sometimes you do fade out and you go into this other place, a little bit trance-like, or it engages your curiosity or it engages your creativity, and you start to have what feel like downloads of ideas, especially if you're walking or you're exercising. And this is because your brain is engaged in a different way. You're disengaging the visual cortex, which is so very dominant in human beings. When we engage our visual cortex, we almost become single focused. It becomes very difficult to focus on anything else when you are watching a movie or you are watching television or you're watching a video. Um, but when you're doing audio, it actually creates more brain space in which to to process and that's sometimes why it is feels more relaxing or it feels uh more fluid when we're listening to audio than when we are watching video yeah that's very true uh you know i've uh before we move on to our next thing which deals with the the discomfort that some people have with audio i just wanted to ask you about a statistic and something i've noticed and get your thoughts on this i believe you're likely to agree with me on this, but you know, we've seen with video marketing, for instance, folks sometimes have a challenge getting a good, crisp, high-quality video, but they can often get away with that as long as they have a strong audio. Is, do you find that to be the case? Yes, and, and vice versa. You, think you can get away with more on video. Um, I mean, 
video, it's it's very difficult to get away with uh, shaky video. That's really, really hard to watch. Um, and if your audio is really bad, it becomes very irritating very quickly. That's the thing about audio as a medium is that people can be watching audio or uh, watching, excuse me, listening to audio, whether it's from a video or from a podcast or, you know, another source. And if there are relatively small errors in it, um, sometimes the listener will find themselves getting irritated and not even know why. And that really is why high-quality audio is so important. It's because you can irritate your listener and they'll blame it on you rather than blaming it on the actual issue of the audio. Um, but if, if the audio is paired with the video, you can get away with lower-quality audio than you can if the audio stands on its own. Right. Right. That's very true. So let's talk about audio quality here a little bit. And one of the biggest things that people face when they're creating audios of themselves, which is having to listen to it. So what if someone doesn't like the sound of their voice or isn't confident about speaking? Well, that's very true. And, and I always say that you do want to go with your strengths. Uh, you know, and I, I work with such a variety of, of people who are doing all different kinds of content marketing, different kinds of thought leadership, different types of businesses, and they have preferences for the mediums that they're in. And I don't think you should ever force yourself into a medium that you don't enjoy. Like I have folks who absolutely love to write, and that is their primary medium. That is what they love to do. And it might right. be some time before they get really comfortable or even really see a need to start expanding out into video or into audio. Um, but it usually comes a point where even the most accomplished uh, blogger and article writer develops enough influence that they start to go, you know what, my following, my audience, the people I'm trying to reach, they want more of me. And the relationship that you can build in audio compared to what you can do in writing is very different. Audio is a very intimate medium. When I was um, working with the crew of the, the documentary called The Messengers, uh, which is coming out uh, here, uh, is, which is being premiered in February, well, I interviewed podcasters from all over the world, people who had been podcasting for many, many years, have very, very successful shows. Many of them, this is their full time. This is what they do. And to a person, as I was interviewing them individually, what would come up is they would talk about the intimacy that developed with their audience. And if you think about it, when somebody puts earbuds in, which is how most audio is listened to, uh, you are, your voice is getting directly into somebody's brain. You become the voice in their head, literally. And that creates quite a relationship. And that's what we tend to find over and over again is that it, it creates a relationship depth that uh, is difficult to create with writing or even difficult to create with video to a certain extent because most people on video are not totally and completely themselves on video. But when you have audio and you're in front of the mic and you're not worried about how you look on camera, you're not worried about your gestures or how your face is doing, if it's just you and the microphone and your audience, then you can kind of let your hair down and get in really close and just have a conversation with somebody. 
And that is a treasure. As I saw, there's one thing you said there that really jumped out at me is you said when people put their earbuds in and they start to listen to an audio, that's the voice that goes to their head. We see these memes of, it's a picture of Morgan Freeman that says, wishing you a happy birthday. And then underneath it says, you just heard that in my voice. Yes, exactly. Exactly. That's the, that, that's the point I'm trying to make is because that's the messenger. Morgan Freeman, through that meme, is the messenger. You hear things in his voice because he's well known for his, his narrations of his movies. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, personally, you know, because personally, you know, the way, you know, the way I want to go is um, I want uh, I want to die by a Chuck Norris roundhouse kick while Morgan Freeman narrates it. That would be epic. That that that's the way I want to go. I mean, <laughs> I want I I want my exit to be something that people talk about for decades. So, uh, what equipment do you need to get really, really good audio? This is something that even I struggle with sometimes. So maybe you can help me here. What what software do I need? What devices do I need? Uh, what types of microphones work great? How, how, what am I going to do to get that really good audio? You know, it takes a lot less than you think. And more about getting good audio has to do with your microphone technique and being willing to practice than it does with having particular microphones or recording in a studio. Because I travel so much, I have uh, what I call my uh, ghetto portable recording setup. And all this is is a large plastic storage box. You can also use a cardboard box lined with some foam that's usually like that egg crate foam that you pick up at, you know, any houseware store or Walmart or Target. They even have those in Costa Rica. And uh, you, you line the box with that foam, kind of like you would acoustic tiles in a recording studio. And you place your microphone inside of that box. You don't have to get inside the box. And that, that actually acts as a little bit of a recording studio that you can use, and that buffers your room noise which is what comes up a lot. That's what creates a lot of the echo that you hear in recordings is when somebody has a microphone that is in a large open room and the sound kind of bounces off the walls. It's called room noise. So this box kind of uh, uh, ameliorates that, that hazard. But even more important is having a decent quality mic. It doesn't have to be expensive. You can pick up uh, like a, a Blue Yeti, which is actually what I'm using right now, or an Audio-Technica 2020 or an Audio-Technica ATR, uh, what's called an ATR 2100 on Amazon or in other places. Yep. And these run, you know, 60 to $110. And these are very simple microphones. They're USB microphones. You plug them right into your computer. And then if you have a Mac, you can use uh, GarageBand. If you have a PC, you can use Audacity. Both of these are free pieces of software that you can use to record and edit. And both of those processes are very, very simple. And, of course, there's tons of people out there, too, doing editing, uh, doing mastering of files, everywhere from, you know, Elance to Fiverr to, you know, any any search in your area for your local area. Yeah, that's really good. Uh, and what's encouraging about that is we don't have to have a full-blown recording studio just to do some good audio. And it is also very true that, the quality of your microphone does make a big difference. 
you need to have good noise cancellation in my experience and this is a place where if sometimes if you can spend a couple extra bucks to get really good quality it's worth it because the power of that audio as we discussed earlier to literally enter somebody's mind and become the voice that they hear in their thoughts isn't it worth it for 10 extra bucks to get a high quality microphone i would think Oh yeah, I mean, if you're going to be doing audio and you're not willing to drop a hundred dollars on a on a microphone, that seems crazy to me. Um, now I've gotten pretty decent quality, like I've gotten pretty decent quality audio out of certain headsets as well, uh, but a lot of it, it it requires some experimentation. So that's what you really got to allow yourself to do, and and that goes for also not liking the sound of your own voice. Your voice is a is a tool. It's our first built-in tool, right? Baby comes out, baby cries. It's our first tool of communication. And if you, you want to really develop good audio, then treat, treat your voice like a tool and give it exercise and give it care. Uh, there's lots of practices that you can do to train your voice in different ways that will make it better. Um, and it's interesting. Uh, I published an article a while back on Forbes uh, called Do You Sound Like a Leader? And this was fascinating to me. I found this piece of research and I went down a rabbit hole with it because it just kind of blew my mind. So Duke University did a study and found that deeper voice was highly correlated with positions of leadership. So CEOs, 792 male CEOs, they studied their voices. And CEOs with lower voices had longer tenure led larger companies, and made more money to the tune of $180,000 per year. So that just kind of blew my mind. And I said, well, you know, not everybody's got a deep male voice, obviously. I don't. So what else is, you know, going to make a difference? So there are things like the way you articulate. articulate. <laughs> That's funny. I just screwed up articulating, articulate. Um, it's all right. The fluidity of how you speak, the tempo, the pleasantness of your voice. Uh, there's a couple of things that are common in current culture that arose in the 1970s and now have become very prevalent, and that is something called vocal fry. And if there's anything that I could recommend, it is that you not necessarily completely eliminate this from your speaking, but you reduce it as much as possible if it's something you have a habit of doing. So this is what some people refer to as Kardashian voice. And this is where they drop their voice and they kind of talk like this and they, oh, God. And it's that uh, sound. That's called vocal fry. The problem with vocal fry is that it automatically triggers a distrust response in most listeners. And this has also been proven in research. So when we're, for example, if uh, somebody's in a job interview, one of the studies they did, and uh, someone says, you know, thank you for your time and thank you for the interview. And then they said, thank you for your time and for the interview. That second response that included vocal fry was rated across the board, across gender, across age, across culture, as being less trustworthy and reliable. So that is one of those things that you can get rid of completely. It's actually not hard to do at all. And the other thing that people do a lot that kind of screws up their credibility is up talking the end of their sentences. So that kind of makes them sound like they're always talking about a question when they're talking like this, and then it kind of really screws up your credibility. 
because you don't sound like you know what you're talking about. It's very irritating, isn't it? <laughs> right. Yeah, so, uh, so so demonstrate for us one more time this vocal fry thing just so we make sure we don't do it. Oh, man, it's actually hard for me to do because I don't – I really don't use it at all. So uh, if you listen to a lot of radio commercials, especially ones that are geared towards millennials, you'll start to hear this everywhere. So it kind of sounds like this, like, oh, my God, like that. Oh, I right, right. So something <laughs> like this, what you mean? That's kind of verbal fry. So yeah, if you could go ahead and submit those TPS reports, that would be great. That would be great. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Perfect example. One of my favorite movies. Which is why, which is why, which is why people don't trust that douchebag, and uh, he's considered to be like the the <laughs> anti gold standard. Of what the yeah. worst possible boss can be, and I think, and I think that's why you see that those vocal intonations. If you could go ahead and submit those TPS reports, that would be great. Yeah. So we don't want to, we don't want to do that. But I, no, but don't I be that guy. This. I, yeah, but I tell you what, I do think I want to do is I think I want to work on deepening my voice. And the fact is, is you see what I'm doing right now compared to where we were on the rest of the show, is my voice has become deeper and more resonant which shows I do have the capability to do it. However, it's just not practice, so it's not my natural voice. And if I do this too long, my voice is, my throat is going to get itchy, and I'm going to start laughing uncontrollably, so I need to yes, stop exactly. here. Yes, exactly. I don't recommend, I definitely do not recommend artificially lowering your voice. Not at all. <laughs> not, the way, not the way I did it, but I did that, but I, but I just did that right now to demonstrate that it is possible to change your voice. Um, however, you also need to make that part of who you are and not just an act you put on because you will find yourself involuntarily and very quickly reverting to your natural voice unless you're constantly on point with it, in which case you're going to get very tired very quickly and you might start laughing uncontrollably because it's going to start to itch. There is a right. technique, it's called the... There, there, there's various names for it. Um, Ross Jeffries of Persuasion Mastery Systems, who's been on the Business Creators Radio Show, teaches this in some of his seminars, and he calls it sexual sonics uh, when it's used in the dating and meeting women and meeting men type frame, where you do a series of it's breath exercises and things you do with your posture. And those two things put together with some other elements over time can help you adjust your voice to what you want it to be and it can take anywhere from a few days to begin that process but the actual change can take months or even years the point is to begin doing it now if you want to do it so if I were to get very serious about wanting to have a deep resonant voice as you can see it is physically something I'm capable of doing however I need to make some adjustments to myself to make this part of my natural speaking voice, and also when I do the proper things with posture and breath and what have you, it will become even deeper and more resonant. I'm actually going as far as I can right now, but I know it's possible I could go further if I wanted to. Yeah, if you wanted to pursue something like that, you definitely could, but it's absolutely not necessary for most people to do that. However, I will say that the breath and breathing is one of the best things that anybody could ever do for themselves, regardless if they're doing audio or not, 
because learning how to breathe properly will not only make you a better speaker, uh, it will make you a much calmer human being, which as entrepreneurs and executives and thought leaders and all those, all your listeners, you know, much like myself, we can always use to be probably a little more serene and a little more calm because we, you know, there's not too many uh, real laid back entrepreneurs out there because we're hungry. We want to get stuff done. That's true. That's true. In fact, laid back an entrepreneur, I mean, the term laid back entrepreneur sounds like an oxymoron. It does. I just don't know yeah, many and, who and, are laid back. In fact, the most successful entrepreneurs are the ones who have all the raw material but need to be harnessed and redirected. Yep, it's because they do have a lot of high creative energy and drive in order to be able to get to be able to get things done. Now, there are some people out there who are just kind of naturally chill. Um, I don't meet too many of them who are entrepreneurs, though, unless they're already wildly successful and that they've gone through this whole decompression process after they've become wildly successful. A little bit like uh, if you look at, for example, Ariana Huffington, who after many years of driving herself uh you know, threw herself into such a health issue that she realized she had to relax. And then all of a sudden she started writing about how sleep is really important and how unplugging from digital devices is really important. And, you know, so for those of us who have been talking about that for many years, and it's one of the first things, if I'm doing some deep coaching with entrepreneurs, one of the first questions I ask is, let's tell me about your sleep. But, you know, <laughs> someone who's already burnt themselves out you know, going, oh, yeah, sleep is important, you know, but that's a little off track from what we were talking about before. But coming back around to the breath, uh, yeah, there's there's no bad reason to to do breath exercises, whether that is deep breathing, yogic breathing, different exercises that we do in, in voice acting. It all comes down to about the same thing, and that is your body having a stronger relaxation response and also being able to use the air that you have more effectively when you're speaking. Because as the nerves come up, as we get more cortisol into our system when we're excited or nervous, then we tend to breathe more shallowly. And if you have the training to deepen your breath, then your words come out better to your audience. Sure, and, and better is better. Uh just a, a little note, and I get asked about this all the time, like what audio device I use. This is kind of going back, back to earlier, but uh, I got a note here from somebody uh, asking, what type of headset do you use? I use, for the record, it's the Logitech H39B USB wired PC headset. Uh, it's designed specifically for listening to music and making and taking internet calls. So uh, it's about between $30 and $40, depending on where you buy it. I usually get about six months out of one because they just I use it all the time, so it gets beat. So whenever I buy one, I buy two. And I've been using the same model of headset. They've changed the part number a little bit now and again as they've modified it and evolved it. But basically, it's a headset that has has a really big cushion that goes around the top of your head, has really big earpieces and a really big microphone. It's USB, and I've always gotten great sound out of it, and it's very easy to make adjustments within your computer to optimize it. So that's the one that I use. Uh, I also have experience with the Audio-Technicas. They're pretty good, and uh, that's 
that's just what I use, and it's always worked very well for me. It's also somewhat durable. It can take a bit of a beating, like if I put it in my laptop bag. Uh, it usually doesn't get broken the first time I do that, so it has some durability. But just like anything, it's only between 30 and $40. You get a lot for your money, and uh, when you're buying one, you might as well buy two just so you always have one. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Definitely buy more than one if it's something that you like. Uh, I like the Logitechs, too, and I also like uh, the headsets from Plantronics. I get a lot of life out of those, and I've had a bunch of different models from Plantronics, and I've always been happy with the ones that I get in terms of their sound quality and their durability. If you're going to use a, a headset mic, those uh, have been really, really, really good for me. Uh, do we want to talk at all about uh, some audio marketing specifics or podcasting, audiobooks, yes. and you know anything like that I could offer? Yeah, that's actually kind of where I wanted to go next. So thank you for uh, asking my question before I had a chance to. Is it okay <laughs> if I run the business creators radio show? Can I do it? I mean, my name's on the door. Can I? Is it okay if I do it? Sorry. So tell me about that stuff. <laughs> I'm a high-strung entrepreneur, man. Maybe. We we love we love to have fun here. As you, as you yourself said, if you can't have some fun with this, it's not worth doing. And as we know through uh, studies of what makes effective audio, is it actually has to be entertaining, in my opinion. Because if it's just you know listening to, I mean, unless you're a fan of Ben Stein and you just love to listen to the monologues, you in learn. which case that will work out well for you. Uh, that's perfectly fine. There's really only one person, in my opinion, who can do the monotone monologue on audio and have it be entertaining and engaging, and that is Ben Stein. Everybody else, you've got to mix it up and have some fun with it. So uh, let's take those concepts and let's roll it into how do we use effectively use audio in our marketing today? In this age of well, video, how do we use audio? <laughs> well, Adam, let me tell you. I'll break it down. No, uh, there's two main areas that I tend to specialize in for audio marketing. There are many, many others. But the two biggest trends right now in the universe are podcasting and audiobooks. Uh, podcasting, uh, as you know, you and I are both podcasting devotees, obviously. And the thing about podcasting is that most people, when they're going into a podcast, don't spend enough time on the strategy session portion of it. They don't spend enough, enough time planning their content, and they want to jump right to the question of how am I going to monetize this? Well, most business owners who are going to have a podcast, monetization is not going to come necessarily from ads and sponsors for most businesses, unless the show that you're creating is a business into and of itself for a specific niche market. So I'll give you the uh, two different examples of this because it's easier to think that way. So I just uh, launched a show recently for a gentleman named Michael Kitsis. And Michael is one of the top financial educators uh, in the country, possibly the world. He produces an incredible amount of content. He blogs, I believe, five days, it was four days a week, and he wanted a podcast to be the fifth day a week so he could offer a variety of content and content consumption options to his audience. He had already built a large audience. So he is not going to be selling ads or doing a lot of sponsorship on his show because the point of the show is not for the show itself to have sponsors. It's actually to 
generate more ideal listeners and ideal clients for his business, and it's also to serve his current clientele and his current followers. So it has a dual purpose. On the other hand, if I look, take the case of my colleague, Glenn, Glenn is the owner of the Horse Network, and he designed his company and his business specifically to be an income generator. So when he designed his first show, which is called Horses in the Morning, it's a two-hour show, five days a week, which is a lot of content, but you could see how that could be, in and of itself, a full-time business. So what he did very differently, yeah, yeah right? But what he did, which is very, very different than the example I gave for Michael Kitsis, Michael is very much an influencer, very much a thought leader, very much, uh, you know, coach and services based. Uh, he already has a business he's adding on to. Glenn created his show as a business. So what he did was he actually went to horse conventions, horse shows, different places where they had large groups of people selling horse products to horse people. And he went around and marketed his show as a way for these different companies to advertise on his show. And he would test their products. He would review their products. And, he, and if he liked them, he would, have the, he would advertise those products on his show. And he had sponsorship money come in as a result. And that is how he made money on his show. So he has very robust sponsorship packages because of that. And now he's added on additional shows and created an entire network of shows all about the different aspects of the horse world, of which is very diverse and kind of fascinating. And I had no idea that there were so many different aspects to this whole world of horses. And even the two-hour, five-day-a-week format was very specific for his audience and very strategic. It turns out it takes most people an hour and a half to two hours to muck out their stalls in the morning, and they tend to do it early in the morning. That's why his show is that way. So you can see very different business models for using a podcast, but equally as effective for the goals they wanted to create. And that's kind of what we do is we kind of work with folks to make sure that their show is going to serve the purposes they want and then work with them to either do it for them or show them how to set it all up, do content strategy, launch it, push it out, and, you know, make sure that all the technical back end is handled as well. And that is really how that podcasting works. And podcasting can quite literally provide you every piece of content you could possibly need for your marketing on a yearly basis because you can take your shows and generate articles, blogs, social media content, uh, audio clips. You can do uh, blog expert trades with people. It's endless what you can create from the content that you generate from a podcast. That's one of the reasons I'm such a big fan. Yeah, I can see that. And I'm, I'm a big fan of podcasting as well. Um, aside from the fact that you don't have to do video with it, but because of the versatility and the many different ways you can reach people, you can reach people a lot more places as I see it. I mean, look, even our cars, our new cars that are coming out, uh, they have the ability to stream podcasts. Oh, definitely. And that's really, really valuable. Uh, and, and it's very similar on the audiobook side of things. So as, as uh, my friend from Thailand would say, it's same, same, but different. Audiobooks, uh, also huge audio medium, been around for many years, very robust. People love them. Well, what's been happening in the last five years is because the way that audiobooks got produced changed. 
the cost of audiobook production has dropped 50% since 2009. So there's not too many things on the face of the planet that cost less now than they did in 2009. This happens to be one of them, and that's simply because of the Internet and also because most audiobooks are not produced in CD format, which means you don't have those hard production costs of manufacturing an actual physical disc in a physical case. Most things are delivered digitally. And so right. whether you are in the U.S. and the U.K., which means that you can self-produce your audiobook and get it up onto Amazon, Audible, and iTunes, or you want to work with a company like us who does it all for you and gets it all handled for you and helps you with your marketing, um, it's become much more accessible to get it done. And you don't have to narrate the book yourself to get really good results. And there's a whole diagnostic process we go through to determine whether it's going to be advantageous for the author to do the narration versus having a professional narrator do it. There's a whole bunch of factors that go into that. But the bottom line for audiobooks is that they outsell ebooks three to one, and most people don't know that. Actually, I knew that. I was one of the people that did know that, not a big surprise because of my uh, championship of the audio revolution. But the fact, the, the fact is, you know how many people download ebooks saying, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll get to that some other time. But meanwhile, the audio is more likely to get listened to because it's something that in its own way has a different tangibility. And I think part of that is because you do hear a person's voice. It's not just words in a PDF. Right, exactly. That's very, very true. And audiobooks have, a, for a good reason, higher perceived value than e-books because of the audio and the production quality that, that goes into them. And the thing is, is that you know, audiobooks are pretty much never free, whereas we've developed an expectation that a Kindle book at some point will be free or reduced cost, at least during the launch phase. Uh, interestingly enough, in the launches that we've done where the audiobook and the uh, ebook have been available at the same time, many times people will purchase both at the same time, especially if they're purchasing through Amazon, because Amazon has a kind of a neat program where if you purchase one, it will one format, it will reduce the cost of you purchasing the other format. So, for example, you purchase the Kindle version, it will offer you the Audible version in a reduced cost. And while there are some people that cry foul when it comes to royalties and all of that, I actually think that encourages greater sales because the books that we love, and I, I only have to survey my colleagues to know this, is when we love a book, we download it in multiple formats so that we can access it in different ways. Uh, and, and that's just kind of how it works. And audiobooks can be used as a lead generator as well if they're done correctly, uh, just like Kindle books can be used as a lead gen generator if done correctly. It goes hand in hand. Okay. That, that's, that's really good. And, and see, and see, the thing is uh, that I love about the audiobook is when I need to drive across state lines, coming from Las Vegas, Nevada, one of the three cities I visit several times a year, each, either direction, it's about five hours. So the audio version of a 128-page book will take about five hours to narrate. It's perfect timing. Exactly. Exactly. It's, it's wonderful. It's a, it's a great companion. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so again, I mean, I, that's one of the reasons I 
really love the audiobooks. Uh, I think that uh, I think that they have the versatility. I think they have the durability, and I think that they have the relatability because again, you hear a voice coming into your brain, and that voice becomes the shall we say the vocalization of your thoughts. So if you are the person who wants to influence others, what better way to influence them than to have your voice be the voice they hear when they think? Exactly. And what we found is yep. that in many cases, it doesn't even have to be the voice of the author to have the same impact, as long as the narrator that we have can really evoke the same spirit and intention in the delivery of that message. And that's a hugely right. advantageous for entrepreneurs who, you know, time and money is of the essence. Because it is labor intensive to do an audio book, right. just like it's labor intensive to do a podcast. But positioned correctly, it is so well worth it and has extremely high ROI. Exactly. So we're actually right at the top of the hour. I told you this to go quick. And uh, we have about two minutes left before they kick us off. And I'd like to give one of those minutes to you, Tina, to tell us about how you serve business creators and how somebody who wants to take the next step can engage with you. Oh, sure. We have three main areas to our business that start something creative business solutions. One is in audiobook production and publishing. The second one is in podcasting, mentoring, and launching. And the third one is an area I like to call breakthroughs, which is where we offer coaching and also uh, some services in marketing for people who really want to do this kind of content-based thought leadership marketing and develop their influence their audience and their income kind of simultaneously. And that's what we love to do. We like to work with people who are, know their stuff cold and are not marketing people and they want to get it out in ways that feel good to them, that use their strengths. And so if anyone wants to reach out, I know you'll have my contact information in the show notes, but if someone's listening to the audio, you can do, just go right through the contact us page at startsomethingcreativebizsolutions.com. Right, that's a very, very short URL, so let's read that off again. It's http, you know, www.startsomethingcreativebizsolutions.com. And as Tina accurately Absolutely. said, all of our guest experts have profiles on businesscreatorsradioshow.com, and that's the link you'll find when you visit Tina. Awesome. Thank you so much. Well, and thank you so much, Tina, for being with us today. It's been an honor and an education. And uh, viva la audio revolution. Viva la revolution. All right. Okay. And for everybody listening, this is Adam Homie, host of the Business Creators Radio Show. Uh, please be sure to check out our previous and our upcoming episodes at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com and on iTunes, where we help you win at the game of business and marketing. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.